Hello, everyone. I'm Bill Raggio. I'm a senior fellow at Foundation for Defense of Democracies and editor of FDD's Long War Journal. This is Generation Jihad, the podcast that covers all things in what used to be known as the global war on terror, but we now call the Long War. Today, my friend, colleague, and partner in crime, Caleb Weiss, is joining us for an episode. Joe's got the uh, day off. Caleb, of course, is a editor at FDD's Long War Journal, as well as a research analyst at the Bridgeway Foundation. Hello, Caleb. Hey, again, not going to thank you for having me, but it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to be back. The Gaza stuff, the Israel-Hamas stuff is really, you know, we've we've pivoted to that. I figured I'd give you a little break. Right, which is something I don't do, so. But you know what? There's some things for us to talk about now. Um, it's kind of settling into a rhythm. I don't want people to think that like, oh, it's just back to normal. But we get a little bit more time now to to branch out and discuss some other issues. And we figured today was a good day to do so. We're going to talk about two things, the TikTok and Osama bin Laden controversy. And then we're going to take a quick sweep around the horn of jihadist groups and what they're saying and doing or not doing about the war in Gaza. So, but first, you know, this was this one I woke up to yesterday and my brain was spinning, Caleb, the TikTok controversy. So influential TikTokers are talking about Osama bin Laden's message to America. Caleb, you know, it's funny today, even Shabab weighed in on this controversy. Tell us what happened here. What the hell is going on? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think influential TikTokers is the right word. These are definitely like a lot of Zoomers, a lot of, you know, quote unquote, free thinkers type of these. Uh, I, I saw one of the account. accounts had like 12 million followers, though. Would you yeah, not I mean, call for, that influential? I mean, that's a, that's quite an audience. TikTok, though, I mean, uh, some of these accounts have, you know, way more than that. But yeah, sure. for all purposes, I, I think this is this is a, still a fringe issue on the site. Um, but it's the the demographic that worries me. This, these are generate largely Generation Z, um, so these are young, uh, you know, young adults, if not you know, white teenagers, um, that have somehow discovered Bin Laden's infamous letter to America, um, which this is a a diatribe he published in the early two thousands, listing out why he did nine eleven, why he hates America, um, and essentially these again, quote unquote. Free thinkers, which are just, you know, galaxy brained people, um, are <laughs> essentially shifting their worldview uncritically by reading this this one letter. Um, which I should which, you know, I want to say surprising, but it's not really surprising. I think we've been going down this path for a while, especially on TikTok, and just the level of disinformation that is on that platform is insane. I mean, keep in mind this is a Chinese app. The Chinese government has backdoor access to TikTok. Um, the Chinese government is, you know, always using that app as a way to, you know, influence thinking and public perception in the West, particularly in America. So I'm not saying this is another one of those times where they're doing that, but it certainly doesn't help that this is a Chinese government app. Um, at the same time, like, uh, you know, I kind of think maybe... There was some tweets that didn't help in this. There was a, a tweet, I'm not going to name him, but he tweeted about this, and that tweet itself now has 35 million views, um, which undoubtedly did not help the situation by shedding more light on this. Um, but it is what it is. Um, interestingly, though, there's, again, I don't know 
who who made this tweet. Um, but there's an interesting tweet going around now that's saying, you know, hypothesizing that this letter wasn't even written by bin Laden. It was most likely written by Adam Gadan, who was, you know, the American propagandist for um, Al-Qaeda. And I don't know if I'm convinced on this, but it does make an interesting case of a lot of the a lot of the letter is a diatribe against, you know, U.S. cultural norms, which bin Laden wouldn't be that familiar with. He didn't really spend that much time, uh, you know, lambasting American cultural norms before that or after that. So it's an interesting read on that, that it could have been written by Adam Gadon. Um, but regardless, this is just a, a you know, a batshit insane past 24 hours of these kids and young adults changing their worldview after uncritically reading a piece of propaganda from a mass murderer. Yeah, the you know, that's interesting you mentioned that with Adam Gadan. Now, like I would always say, okay, fine, maybe Adam Gadan wrote the speech for bin Laden. Bin Laden said it. American presidents generally don't write their own speeches either, or most, you know, presidents or prime ministers don't as well. Um, yeah, and, and Gadan has, is well, well known for some wackiness out there. I don't want to get into the details of it, but he certainly over time. Well, while he was alive, was pushing some very nutty extremist ideas and ways for Al Qaeda to reach out to you know extreme elements of of the of the American population. So it is interesting. What parts, Caleb, of of this uh, of the letter do you think resonated the most with these TikTokers? Oh, this is this is the question um, because it's undoubtedly. The part where he says that Americans are blind to the fact that design is controlling our government and our media and everything about America, which uh, in this case, like many cases, Zionist is just code word for, for Jews. Um, so a lot of these kids and young adults are, again, uncritically reading this piece of propaganda saying that Zionists, quote unquote, Zionists control America. But what bin Laden or maybe Gadan is really meaning is Jews. Um and this kind of again is in the same light of a lot of these. Okay, there are valid criticisms of Israel. I'm not going to say there's not, but a lot of the anti-Zionism talk, especially on the left, is essentially anti-Jewish rhetoric, um, and that's really what seems to resonate a lot with these young adults and teenagers is that part of the letter. Um, but they can't read between the lines. Uh, they they uncritically think he actually means Zionist, but no, he means Jews. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, for for these guys, it's one and the same. All all Jews yeah, are Zionists. Absolutely. They don't they don't make absolutely. distinctions. And and you're right, they don't. And the the TikTokers who are putting this out, and I I you know, would this letter have ever seen daylight amongst these TikTokers if the war between Israel and and Hamas? No, it, I mean, right? it literally only happened because the war is happening. Um, and, and I will say that the originally they were quoting this from the Guardian. The Guardian famously published this art, this letter in, in the early 2000s. Um, the Guardian has since removed um, the article, citing that they didn't want to further propagate its you know its language, its rhetoric. Um, but they they had the letter up for 20 years, um, and I, I have mixed feelings about about the Guardian taking it down. On one hand, I understand why that you know you don't want these these idiots, these galaxy brain people, you know, continue to spread that message uncritically and again go down the the anti-Jewishness uh, of the letter. Um, but at the same time, like 
one, I, I think it should be public source. I think reading that letter and seeing how corrupt and how evil and how, you know, manipulative bin Laden was or whoever was who wrote this is important to to research and really understand the letter and the time and sort of, you know, what bin Laden said was the reason for 9-11. Um, as a as a researcher and analyst, I think that's important. I also, as an American, believe in free speech, and unfortunately, like I, I think having that up is is good. Um, so again, mixed feelings, um, but also, and I guess the third reason now that I'm thinking about it is, you know, it really is. It does justify sort of, or they're using it to justify a lot of the the the, the, the evil language against political Zionists, and you know. Whatever. Um, it's sort of like the, the tweet I mentioned before. It didn't help, you know, removing it because you're you're a lot of the, the people who propagated these TikToks are now claiming it's part of this wider Zionist conspiracy to to have this removed. Um, but again, who are they really meaning when they see it say Zionist conspiracy? And the Guardian removing it probably didn't help in propagating that conspiracy. Yeah, I, I concur. Look, I, I understand and I agree with the intent. I mean, or I should I say sympathize, but in practice, it's just a bad idea for all the reasons you had mentioned. The, you know, this free speech issue. Look, the only way to understand what someone like Osama bin Laden is doing is to be able to read the original source material. Should we be pulling down anything and everything that jihadists have published? These letters are important for historical reasons as you mentioned for research reasons for understanding no and i think this i mean this is my wider argument with with censorship of extremist literature propaganda videos in general these groups are putting the shit out there themselves it is it is free to access it is free for everyone to look at and see what these guys and women actually believe and a lot of it is evil a lot of it is violent a lot of it is terrible um you know one extreme example is all the Hamas footage that they themselves filmed of themselves murdering 1,400 people in Israel. That shouldn't be removed. Everyone should see that. Everyone I needs agree. to know how evil these people are. It's the same thing with this letter of, you know, in that respect of look how he's manipulating people. Look how he's using this language as a dog whistle against Jews. Look how he's framing how he did this attack. That's important. And, you know, they themselves are putting that out there. And I think, you know, not just for us researchers, but for the lay, lay person as well, for them to understand what these guys actually believe and do is very important. Yeah, look, the failing here isn't the Guardian or anyone else putting that letter online. The failing is our education system that has produced a generation or generations of youth whose minds are so malleable that they can be blown away by an art or a letter written by Osama bin Laden or, you know, credited to and Osama bin Laden. This is going to be justified. This is going to be Caleb's angry episode, but I think cause this is also just dumb of, you know, follow-up TikToks from a lot of these accounts or people are making a, a TikToks about this are saying, why didn't they teach us about this conflict? Why didn't they teach us about this? Why didn't they teach us about that? Have you ever like read the news? Have you ever just opened up like Reuters? Have you ever just like sorry for dropping the f bomb? But have you ever fucking like looked any of this shit up? No, you haven't. It's not 
you. It's not they, whoever they are. It's you for being too ignorant enough to actually look some of this shit up. Yeah, Sorry, and again, Caleb's yeah. angry episode. But we, we welcome Caleb's angry episode. It's been a while, and I, I knew this one would uh, would uh, touch your heart, Caleb. So uh, that's why I, I sprung it on you. Yeah, um, and for those who are responding, that maybe they should shut the fuck up if they hadn't been taught about this and they're going to go listen to some TikToker who also doesn't know about it. Like if this is how they're getting their information, you know, look, I'm self-taught, you know, again, I grew up, my mom got me books and I was interested in World War II history and Greek history, ancient Greece and mythology, you know, I didn't wait for the schools to teach me stuff that I was interested in. I went and, and, and I don't see that happening as much you know I, I had other friends who had other interests that did the same thing and now you know our, i think our kids brains are being warped by between social media and, and an education system that just really i do agree that a lot of this isn't taught because let's face it caleb in public schools these are controversial topics why are we at war with you know, people who claim to be religious warriors. This isn't I mean, something they really want to talk about in schools. I, mean, I definitely agree. Like that's part of the issue is the U.S. education system because I think there is an overfocus on STEM. There's an overfocus on sort of the hard sciences, whereas you know, sort of the social sciences kind of go to the wayside, which is a crime. It should not be happening, but that, that's what it is. But at the same time, like I think the average American is pretty dumb. Again, sorry to be cynical and angry, but like the them not to know how to open up their phones you literally have the world's I, could you imagine i couldn't imagine growing up and having that resource to learn i had to read yeah. freaking books and you had to buy books and they had to come in the mail or you go to the bookstore it was and they were expensive like because one one example i saw and this is just because i focus on africa is like a lot of these TikToks are claiming, why didn't we learn about what's happening in Congo with sort of these, these mineral extraction you know, issues? If you opened up Reuters, if you opened up any sort of news in the last 10 years, if not more, you would have seen countless articles about all these mines in Eastern Congo or like Western companies, Chinese companies in Eastern Congo extracting minerals. You would have known that. But it's on you for not being curious enough, I guess, about the world to do that. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I, I would I would argue that the U.S. education system not teaching critical thinking or teaching, you know, any sort of rational thinking is also at issue here. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the people that are putting this stuff out, they clearly don't know who Osama bin Laden is or what he did or else they wouldn't be talking. So, you know, wouldn't be so fascinated by him in an admiring way. Um, and that's what I saw in those videos that I watched. It was just, you know, there well, was, I mean, there's a common denominator there besides like the anti quote unquote anti Zionism thing. It's, it's even simpler than that. It's, it's America bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. That's what you got bad. out of this anti Americanism in this. Yeah. For real. That's a great point, Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on that topic, Caleb, uh, that we hit, you know? Oh, I can go on, but I think we should. <laughs> well, God, <laughs> listen, yeah, give us your parting thoughts then, and then we'll my move fellow on. American. I just think it's dumb, man. Like, it's just, like, it shouldn't be idolizing this man who not only killed, you know, 3,000 Americans in one day, but, like, has killed tens of thousands of, of his fellow Muslims. Hundreds from of Morocco, thousands, Caleb, from, with from, what he's inspired. Yeah, yeah. From Morocco to Indonesia. 
but he ruined countless lives. And you're going to praise him because he's ostensibly anti-American. Are you so blinded by ideology that you're not going to think critically about who that man is or was rather and what he actually did in the world? He's a mass murderer who led this global movement that ruined countless lives. But no, because America bad, which again, America does a lot of fucked up shit. Not going to dispute that. But you can't really equate the two. <laughs> this is a, a guy who's an international terrorist who, you know, the people that he was ostensibly fighting to defend against the great Satan, uh, those were his primary victims. Yeah, I'm going to, um, my, here's going to be my parting thought. Uh, I, can't, I can't take credit for this. Um, I was just at, at a loss for words yesterday. I, I did not know how the hell do we respond to this? And then I went, uh, David Burge from Iowa Hawk. I'm just going to read his tweet because um, it's perfect. It perfectly sums up the thinking that you just described here. He says, here we go, quote, if your kids think Bin Laden made some good points, wait till I tell you about a vegetarian former arts student with an ironic mustache whose impassioned manifesto about the Zionist oppression of his people sparked a worldwide movement, end quote. That's exactly what we're talking about here, right? Like, if you know, if you could think this about Bin Laden, maybe, maybe we should be exploring the fascinating ideas of Adolf Hitler. Yeah, rehabilitate Hitler. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just thought that that was perfect. I didn't, I didn't want or need to say anything more about that yeah. yesterday. I think we're living in a South Park episode right now. <laughs> like Matt and Trey just created this really yeah. meta episode that we're all living in. Top tier genius level stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, got to get in the bear suit. That's for sure. Definitely. Well, okay. Let, let's get on to our second topic uh, for today, Caleb. Let's take a look. At, just do a brief uh, perusal. Of, I think we mentioned this at the beginning. I don't know if we did it on here at Generation Jihad or if we did it on John Bachelor's show. But we did a little quick look at the um, what has been the jihadist response from Al-Qaeda, from the Islamic State towards Hamas's attack on Israel? What have they been saying and what have they been, have or have not been doing since uh, Hamas and company lost it, launched its deadly attack on Israel on October 7th? Want to start with, uh, where do you want to start with that one, Caleb? What have you been covering? What have you been watching? We should start with Africa. Um, sure. I think there's there's less stuff in Africa than, than sort of the other places. Um, and we'll, we'll I guess start in West Africa, North Northwest Africa, with you know Al Qaeda in, in the Islamic Maghreb and uh, you know the group for support of Islam and Muslims, AQIM and JNIM respectively. Um, these are Al Qaeda's branches in North Africa and West Africa. Um, so they've released a joint statement. Um, this was back in October, shortly after the the conflict started, um, where they you know they openly praised you know the murder of Jews. Um, they they encouraged uh, you know the the Qassam brigade to continue, which I think that's an interesting point to point out is that uh, AQIM and JNIM specifically praised the Qassam brigades, which was an open you know admiration for for Hamas, which got some pushback on Twitter for me pointing that out, which I also thought was bullshit. Was who do you think Qassam is? It, it, it's Hamas. Um, but regardless of that, uh, you know they basically said that you know you should continue. This is the only way that you know you're going to defeat the the Zionist entity. Um, basically, you know, if you 
continue the fight. This will encourage other Mujahideen around the world. You know, your fight is part of the same fight that we're fighting against other criminal entities. Um, it's part of the same conflict. Um, in a nutshell, that's essentially what they said. Um, AQIM has also released a video since then from by one of its ideologues, um, Abu Yasir al-Jazari, um, this Algerian ideologue in AQIM. Um, he kind of said the same stuff. He also took it one step further, saying that the, the Mujahideen should be united, um, which is a common al-Qaeda talking point around the world. They, they, they're big on jihadist unity. Um, so nothing too surprising there. Um, turning to East Africa with Shabab, um, they've put out a statement. They were one of the first um, al-Qaeda groups outside of the Middle East to, to release a statement. Um, and again, they sort of said the same thing as AQIM. is very, very similar of, again, encouraging the, the Mujahideen to you know, continue attacking Jews. They praised the murder of Jews and started it. They they also said that you know this is a Israel is a bastard entity um, that should be confronted that should be destroyed. They encouraged you know the the mujahideen to continue to fight to inspire other mujahideen around the world. And again, said that this is part of the same fight that they're fighting in Somalia, um, which again is a common common thing for for Al Qaeda. It likes to put itself within the context of the the, the fight against Israel um, as part of a, a you know a support and recruitment and mobilization factor for them. Um, but on the ground, I think this is where Shabab is the most interesting. Um, Shabab has been hosting since the, the invade, the Hamas invasion of Israel, uh, pro-Palestine rallies throughout the areas it controls in Somalia. Um, so I think they've had like six or seven now, maybe more. Um, and these are, these are not small. I mean, there are hundreds of people at these events there was one or two that maybe had over a thousand people. Um, you know, they're they're holding up, you know, Al Qaeda banners. They're they're holding up slogans that says, you know, Jerusalem will not be Judaized. Um, they're saying, you know, one Uma. Um, they're 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 burning American Israeli flags. You know, the the whole nine yards with that. Um, but to my knowledge, they're they're one of the only Al Qaeda groups. I, again, I could be wrong. I don't focus elsewhere, but they're. One of the only Al Qaeda groups that has, has really done these these local level pro Palestine demonstrations, uh, which I think that's is correct, super- Caleb. I haven't detected this in yeah. in Africa, or I'm sorry, in the Middle East or in in South Asia. So yes, correct. It's, it's super interesting. Of, of and I, I think it really shows the one, I guess, the the strength of Shabab to have these events in their in their controlled territory, and two, really showing how they're trying to use this conflict. As a mobilization factor for their own for their own men, uh, which is shouldn't be too surprising. Shabab has done um, since 2019 when the U.S. moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Um, they've done numerous high profile attacks um, in this Jerusalem will not be Judaized campaign. Um, but they've done a the 2019 terrorist attack in, in Nairobi, Kenya, um, and then uh, the 20, January 2020 attack on the. U.S. base in Manda Bay and, and Eastern Kenya. Um, both of those are part of that Jerusalem will never be or will not be Judaized campaign. So Shabab has a long history of, of putting itself within that conflict and using it to mobilize its own men. Um, and it's, it's really all that's been happening uh, in Africa with, with Al-Qaeda, at least. Um, but, but I think on the Islamic State angle, um, and this is more, more broad because the Islamic State has released 
you know, these statements um, through their weekly newsletter, Al-Naba. Um, so it's speaking more globally for, for all of the Islamic State. But they've taken a, a harsher stance than Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, obviously, as we mentioned numerous times on this podcast and written elsewhere, Al-Qaeda is more of this big tent organization, right? They're, they're willing to work with others. They're willing to support others if it's for the common goal of establishing this caliphate. The Islamic State is my way or the highway. So while they praised the murder of Jews, they, they also criticized Hamas. They, they said, you know, you shouldn't support people who are supported by Iran, you know, the, the evil Shia. Um, you know, same thing with PIJ. Uh, you know, so while the killing of Jews is good, the people who are doing it are bad. This is essentially what the Islamic State has been saying. Um, and then uh, two days or yesterday when they released this week's issue of Al-Tamba, uh, they criticized this um, Arab leader form that the Arab world had about this conflict. Various Middle Eastern dictators and autocrats met and discussed the conflict. Um, the Islamic State criticized this, saying that these guys were too scared to do anything about Israel. Um, they're not willing to do anything. Uh, so it's up to you, the Mujahideen, the correct Mujahideen, to actually defeat the Zionist entity. Um, these Arab leaders are too corrupt and too beholden to the West to do anything. Um, so that's the Islamic State side of, you know, yeah, let's, you know, let's praise killing Jews, but uh, those who are doing it, you, you suck. Um, and it, You're not one yeah, of us. Yeah. That's sort of like the, the two groups outlook of this in a nutshell, um, which again, just gets back to how these groups operate on a much grander scale. Um, yeah, and this and is two people, oh, go ahead, neither of these groups have any meaningful role in the conflict. Um, there are small Salafi jihadi cells in Gaza, um, which Joe, if he was here, he could tell you all about them. Uh, but I know from, you know, private conversations with Joe, like, there are groups that support Al Qaeda. There are there were groups that support the Islamic State, um, but they're you know they're nominal at best. They're not doing that yeah. much. So marginalized. These groups, are, yeah. these groups you know have a big talk about Israel Palestine, but neither Al Qaeda nor Shabbat or nor the Islamic State are that actually involved on the ground. It's more of mobilizing supporters elsewhere. Yeah, it's well put, Caleb. The um, I think that is you. You outlined the difference between Al Qaeda and the Islamic State on this issue, and you know we've always described it. You know, big tent versus my way or the highway. And I always viewed the big tent, the flexible, adaptable jihadists, to be to me to be a bigger strategic threat. I'll, I'll share with you what I've uh, witnessed over the last month. I'll start with Al Qaeda Central. They described this attack as quote a, a gem in the battle. The battles of Islam in the modern history of our Ummah, end quote. And then they turn and they they urged uh, their followers to attack the U.S. Uh, and Israeli military targets across the Muslim world. Um, they also, Al-Qaeda sent, this is from Al-Qaeda's general command or what people call Al-Qaeda central. They also urged us Muslim scholars to um, basically to embrace the all jihadi ideology, including that of Hamas, and to continue their attacks, that was actually a statement issued by, uh, attributed to an a, to a Sima Maghrebi. Um, Which that's that's pretty interesting in and of itself, right? Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to accept these scholars, even Hamas scholars, but as long as they're preaching jihad, yeah. They, which we're good with it, because, right? You know, when Zawahiri was alive, he went on these long diatribes against the Muslim Brotherhood, which Hamas is the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. So it's interesting that. I don't know if it's, you know, 
it reflects any sort of tangible change in their outlook, but certainly ideological of in this moment, we're going to use these guys because it makes sense. But yet, Zawahri famously hated the Muslim Brotherhood. You know, he should know, you know, he came from that part of the world. Um, yeah. So I, I found that to be, that was a very, very interesting point. I'm glad you picked up on that, Caleb. Um, I, I think this is part of Al Qaeda sort of broaden, trying, you know, again, keeping that broad tent. Um, maybe they, you know, maybe they're trying, maybe it's a form of outreach. They may be looking at this from another perspective too. You know, if Hamas does lose this fight, that, you know, they could be there to help pick up the pieces as well. It's a possibility. Right. You know, I, I think that would be wrong thinking because of given Hamas's supporters and the way it's organized and, and whatnot. It's just getting in bed or with Al Qaeda would be a, a major problem. Look, I think there's a reason Hamas stopped doing suicide attacks. What after two after the second intifada um, and switched to more military because it was just a bad look for them. They didn't want to be compared to Al Qaeda. But um, yeah, but that could be what Al Qaeda's thinking. You had a thought on that, Caleb? Right. Well, I, I mean, there's like historical precedents for for reaching out to, you know, not unaffiliated scholars, but scholars of other, you know, militant groups or you know, thought leaders or thought institutions. Um, in the Bin Laden files, there are numerous letters between Al Qaeda Central and various sheikhs around the Gulf. Um, and these sheikhs supported other Iraqi militant groups. Um, a lot of them supported the Islamic Army of Iraq, um, sort of being their Gulf-based ideologues. And there's a lot of letters Al-Qaeda central leadership sent to these sheikhs, sort of trying to get them on their side. So I guess there is a historical precedence, right, of this outreach or at yep. least nominal affiliation with scholars from other groups. You know, that they, of, they they don't actually like, or they, I guess, like, trying to figure out how to phrase this, because I don't think not actually like is not the correct word, but it's just, you know, different ways of thinking. Yeah, not fully um, on board with the program, yeah. but maybe like 80% yeah. there. Look, there's between, you know, the Taliban, the Diobandis, and the, and the Wahhabis, or the Salafists, there's big differences. But Al Qaeda has been willing to, that's within Afghanistan, right? Has been willing to work through the problems with them. That's how Al Qaeda, that's that big, that's the big tent Al Qaeda that we're talking about here. And I, I find that to be interesting. I, you know, I always thought the Palestinian one, like, whereas Al Qaeda has always talked a big game about it, they just knew that they were locked out of that conflict in essence because of, you know, Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hezbollah that, those issues, you know, just was extremely difficult for them to even get yeah. a foothold there. I mean, so yeah, they, it's just like the market share. Like, how could they, yeah, like, right, wet their way in? And now, you know, you know, maybe they probably see, and it's 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 just a good look for their supporters too. Remember, their messaging isn't always external. Sometimes it's internal too. They're the members of Al Qaeda are probably yeah, looking at this, yeah, and and going, what does the bosses think? And because we like we like what Hamas did, and Al Qaeda wants to show their own people that, yeah, look, we have views on this and we get this and we think this is a good thing, even if they may not think, I don't get, I don't know what they really think about it. We'd have to get, you know, get a tranche of their documents in order to know. I like but, that you said that, that like a lot of their messaging is for internal purposes or for their own members. And I think a lot of analysts and researchers forget that. A there's, lot there's, of stuff 
Yeah, often dual messaging, right? It can be it can be for both. It really can. Right. But like a lot of because you know Zawahiri was famously derided for his boring speeches, but those weren't for analysts. Those weren't for the Western world. Right. Those were for his critics in the in the Middle East. Those were for his critics within Al Qaeda. Those were for his critics within the Islamic State. That's sort of why they were so boring. I don't know how well they were received or how well they worked, but like that, those were messages not for us. Yeah, Bin Laden was a better external messenger. That was that was his strength. And um, you know, I we've had this conversation numerous times. I probably on Gen Hero and Generation Jihad as well. Like you know, the perception of, of Zawahiri is he's a bore and nobody likes him and he's not charismatic. Well, what the hell do we know about what's charismatic to a jihadist? You know, he may not. No, and like, yeah. I think you know? the the best the best argument about that is like other than I guess the Islamic State and its its splinter Jabhat al Nusra, no other Al Qaeda branch left Zawahiri. And we can't build a time machine and make Osama bin Laden be alive and see how he would have weathered that storm because we don't know because yeah. there were conflicts between the Islamic State and Iraq right pre ISIS when it was part of Al Qaeda. Internally, right? With Al-Qaeda's, you know, with the problems with the Ansar Islam and his Al-Qaeda in Iraq and Al-Qaeda in Iraq and Al-Qaeda General Command. You know, there were there were tensions and whatnot. So that stuff was building for quite a long time. It was a personnel. Anyway, point being, um, you know, difficult to prove that bin Laden would have certainly managed that crisis any better. I mean, I think Zawahiri, given all those problems, held Al-Qaeda together pretty well and got a pretty fat victory in Afghanistan. And sitting pretty in somalia and mali and and geez through the sahel in general yeah so yeah so i think you know a lot of the messaging that they do for for palestine is what i was saying with shabab and you know aqim is it's mobilizing their supporters it's mobilizing you know their men it's giving them something to fight for it's giving them more a morale booster you know a lot of the messaging is for them it's for people in the middle east it's for people in africa um, not necessarily for us or anyone in Israel that, that, you know, what threat does Shabab have to Israel? None. Uh, but they might attack Israeli interests in East Africa, which, how would they do that? They need to get their men on board. They need to get supporters on board. This is the way they do it. Um, and I think this is an, uh, an important point of, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, rhetoric about whether or not this conflict will have any repercussions in the West. Um, obviously, I think as, you know, as time moves on, you might see more coordinated plots. Um, but this is where where these messages come come into play. Of you know, these supporters for AQIM, JNIM, Shabab could be based in Europe. They could be based here. They 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 see these messages. They they become inspired. They decide to do something on their own. Um, it might even trend on TikTok for all we know. And it might trend on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll do two quick ones. Uh, Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, it's its leader, Khalid bin Umar Batarfi. Um, he basically did a Q&A, a long Q&A, um, and it basically came down to, you know, he called on for, you know, both members of Al-Qaeda and then what they call, you know, I hate that term, but lone wolf jihadists or the inspired jihadists to con- conduct strikes against the Israel and the United States. That's, you know, he'd love the attack on Israel. So this one was definitely messages to the followers, right? He's taking taking actual questions. And then Al-Qaeda in the Indian subcontinent, they also urged attacks against Israel and and the West. Um, 
And they also, they, this, I found this to be interesting. I didn't see this in any of the others. They, um, they called on members of Muslim militaries, um, security forces, the army, police to turn their weapons on, on their enemies, be that Americans who they're part or, or other countries or their partner with or the states themselves who, the, who Al Qaeda, of course, views as apostates. So, and what I haven't seen, you know, like you, I haven't seen real action come out from any of this. I think Shabab's action is probably the most that we've seen um throughout all of this conflict i haven't uh, it's hard to tell with but i haven't seen any the spike in attacks that are being claimed in the name of the palestinian people or anything to that nature i think at the end of the day with both al-qaeda and the islamic state they're so focused on waging their local insurgencies like i heard one i'm not going to name names an analyst say that he expected attacks in the sahel and somalia to increase um because of this and i was like these groups are just so focused right now on on the eye they got their eye on the prize of of taking over those the somalia mali and destabilizing niger and the rest of the sahel that that i don't think um they're going to launch additional attacks just because of this what do, what right do you think i mean if they that? if they launch additional attack it'd be a high profile one sort of like what shabab did in 2019 or early 2020 but that's those are one-off events that's what i was talking about earlier but i you know i agree i don't see shabab aqamj and i am increasing their tempo of attacks over this war they're they're continuing business as usual yes yeah, just added, added bonus for them it is it, i mean and if they did launch a high profile attack it would be the, it'd be an attack they probably were going to do anyway for one and two they're just gaining propaganda um uh benefits from it right you know right well, i mean, I mean you can go back to to shabab and the 2019 attack in nairobi they had precedent already for attacking nairobi mm -hmm. right they've done that in 2013 they, they've attacked uh in, in east northeastern kenya also since 2013. um so there's already precedent for them to to do attacks in kenya it just so happened that they're able to use this added leverage or added propaganda which if they do another attack in the name of, of this war, it, it was probably already something that they wanted to do in the first place. This is just, again, a bonus. And I, um, I, one of my responses when I heard that was that, you know, that the attacks would increase was Shabab already launched, as you reported excellently and, and funnily enough, and it's always interesting when this happens that Shabab responded to that the number of suicide attacks in, was it September? Is that right, Caleb? Yeah, September. Yeah, it was the highest since Shabab came into being. So what are they going to top that because of the, um, you know, that that to me is just shows it's business as usual. And the business as usual is high tempo of attacks. Yeah. And and just to be clear, like the rate of suicide bombings in Somalia in October dropped. So if you were to expect something to increase because of this war, it didn't happen. Right. Exactly. All right, Caleb, excellent stuff. You got anything else to, to report here? Uh, not unless you want me to get angry again, but I think, <laughs> I think that's good. Stay angry, my friend. Let's let's yeah. save it for another day. Let's get you back on soon. Actually, I have one hot take. Yeah, let's one go for it. Let's go for it. You got uh, it. Ban, ban TikTok. I think it's a national security risk, not just for these uh, brain dead people, but the fact that we're allowing millions of people in America to use a Chinese-owned app wherein the Chinese government has backdoor access is should not be a thing. 
I could not agree with you anymore. Look, I think, you know, to the listeners, I think you can gather Caleb and I are free speech people, but something like TikTok is very clearly a threat. It's there's it's not a uh, altruistic app that's being, you know, malignly used. I think it's a malign government has created an app and has that's wormed its way into the brains of our uh, and children. to be fair i also don't like the backdoor access that you know facebook whatsapp yeah x slash twitter also gives to the u.s government but at least there is a checks and balance system here and you know it's not an authoritarian government that's committing a genocide against the portion of its people like china is with the uyghurs I it's well said, Caleb. Uh, excellent, Caleb. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Generation Jihad. Great to have you again, or great, great, great to hear from you again. <laughs> That's been a while, but uh, I blame Hamas for keeping me away. <laughs> well, they gave you a look on the bright side. Think of it this way: they gave you a little break. But um, I, I will have to send a thank you card to Yahya Sunwar. <laughs> I mean, look, you know my joke always. Not only are they evil, but often they're inconvenient. Um, and uh, that uh, that really. But put those together, um, and it really just makes me want to eliminate them all. Thanks again for joining us for today's episode of Generation Jihad. Just a reminder, you can find us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, preferably a positive one, but only if we earned it. Thanks again, and we'll see you all again soon.